And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable. The most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause. Like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even. Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the part if you plan on staying up today. You heard? <laughs> AJ, I, I see you, man. She. Welcome to Anything is The Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. This podcast is brought to you by Direct TV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, and it pains me more to say this than it has in the past. The kid, the god, the legend, Celtics Fever. Also the champion. From The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And yes, Jay and I did play, engage in one-on-one basketball combat over the weekend. And Jay uh, pretty soundly defeated me. Beat uh, me, what was it, 15-11, 15-9? Um, yeah, it wasn't fun. Uh, I, well, I'm not proud of my performance. Uh, it wasn't at all good basketball um, in any respect. On either of our parts, you were just uh, just better than I was. But we both played pretty poorly, I would say. I would say it was one of the ugliest fucking games of all time. But we can discuss that later. Let's let's get to Celtic stuff first, and then then we'll get to the good stuff. We got to tease the good stuff. Everyone wants to hear about our epic one-on-one match, which really was horrible. <laughs> we'll get to we'll, we'll tell get- the whole tale, the entire story uh, in the second half of the pod. But first, I asked you guys on Twitter what topics you wanted me and Jay to talk about, and so uh, you guys responded, uh, and we were going to do it. Not a lot of news this week. Brad decided it's the first week. Brad decided not to make a deal, not to make a trade. We had Paul Pierce going into the Hall of Fame, Mike Gorman going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, were you able to watch either of those? I, I think they just showed Mike Gorman on on screen for about thirty seconds, and that was his entire uh, appearance there night. But did you watch the Paul Pierce like kind of speech at all? No, no. I, was, I was on vacation. I, I'm going to watch it at some point. I just haven't yet. I, I just it, it didn't uh, interest me really what he uh, what he, he had to say. Didn't want to hear about Paul Pierce. Didn't want to hear his Hall of Fame speech at all. No, I I, I wanted to. I just uh, started watching it, and then C Web talked, and then Ben Wallace talked, and then a bunch of other people talked, and I just kept on waiting for Paul Pierce, and then I got bored, so I uh, I just stopped uh, stopped watching. But it didn't like apparently make a lot of headlines. No one was like, "Wow, that was the best speech of all time." Paul Pierce, Hall of Famer. That's cool. It was more interesting was Paul Pierce's uh, article with Chris Mannix where he just talked about how uh, 
he didn't like ESPN because they made him talk about LeBron the whole time. That was much more uh, worth your time. If you were that was looking for some Paul Pierce, Pierce content. Just jabbing at LeBron. He loves jabbing at LeBron. And <laughs> yeah, that that <laughs> that article by Mannix was pretty good. I have a, I have a long-standing Twitter beef with Mannix, uh, but that was a very good article. Pierce opened up a little bit about a lot of different stuff. So salute to Mannix. Horrible that's- hair. Horrible hair. <laughs> I was going to say, that's, that's probably the most uh, compliments Manis is going to get on this podcast. But all right, let's dive into the questions. This is from Joshua Maloins asking, what are your thoughts on the NBA introducing um, the kind of cup knockout tournament, lose one game in your out format? We had the Shams from The Athletic announcing that they're kind of looking into doing this midseason tournament, and the incentive to players would be each player would win a million dollars what do you think about the NBA trying to institute kind of a, a gimmicky thing like that? Yeah, I, I think it all depends on whether you can sell it to the fans. Like if if the fans believe that it matters, then it could be really cool. And and that starts, I think, by making the players, convincing the players that it, it matters. Like if you have, let's say, Kevin Durant versus the Warriors in the championship of a midseason tournament, like that could be awesome. That could be really cool. That could be a wrinkle that the NBA just doesn't have right now. Um, I think that, but I think there's also a chance that like just having a midseason tournament, nobody cares about it. It's not like soccer where midseason tournaments are a thing and people care about trophies. Like it's it's never been a part of NBA culture. Uh, it's never been a a part of of that world. So I guess we'll see. Um, I'm a little skeptical that people will really care, but I guess, you know, like if if there are two good teams playing in a game that is for a championship, like I'll tune in, but I would tune in no matter what if it was just a regular season game. So it's not me that they're going after. Yeah, I think the question is like, what do teams do with injured players? Or like if someone's nursing something like, I don't know, say Jason Tatum is like, so like knee tendonitis or I'm just, I'm not like just any injury. Do they automatically just like sit him out for that tournament because those games don't matter in terms of the regular season? And like how do kind of teams vying for playoff or, spots? Or will it matter for the regular season? Like, do we know the exact rules? Like it, it could be something where your performance in those games does matter, but I, I don't know the exact rules. Or, Would like or guarantee you a, like a, a spot in the playoffs. I think, that is an interesting way to try to like up the incentive. I think it does ultimately come down to like whether or not the players care and like care more than they would uh, just a normal January regular season game. And like the all-star game, we see that like they don't really care until the final, what was five minutes. And now, now it's like the, even then they don't care, but it like becomes a lot more interesting because it's like a little bit more effort and the stakes are there. And so, I don't know. I just don't know. It, it feels hard to kind of start this trend, like this tradition anew. Um, it's all but about I would money. Watch it. All about money. Because oh, absolutely. can sell sponsors and that's it. And now do you think it would go it in addition? Cool if, if, honestly, if, if fans believe it matters and this becomes a tradition, then having a tournament will be awesome. Like, it has to be something where you get like a playoff spot in it because it like it there has to be high enough stakes because I don't think a million dollars per person isn't enough. I don't think players are going to care enough for a like, million dollars for so you wouldn't let's say you have to win four games to win a million dollars. You don't think 
players will care. I think they'll care more than the average January game, but like then so what the happens? Dennis Schroeder making six million dollars <laughs> this year is going to care about an extra million? No, because I don't think Dennis Schroeder cares about money because he had an opportunity to make eighty million dollars over four years. And so, what happens if you have like a nagging injury? Like, where do you put your? Uh, but that's I think any, like, I think any regular season game. Yeah, but I so but you see with at least like ever since Kawhi went to Toronto that. Nagging injuries, if you're a star player, you basically you sit out regular season games. You sit out back-to-backs. How long are they going to take to do four games in a uh, midweek tournament? Are you taking like two weeks during the All-Star game or like a full week to do that? And then you're having a player like, I don't know, star players barely play back-to-backs now. It's like, like would Kemba Walker last year have ever played in a uh, midseason tournament? And then are you getting the best versions of these teams? I don't know. It feels like it has to be a combination of the million dollars and like – you're doing it for a playoff side because you have to have the team's incentive to want to win it other than just kind of like reimbursing their players. Like the organization has to want to win it. But let's be honest, the teams that would win that probably already have a playoff spot no matter what. Let's like, it would be very probably. Yeah. But it's one game. That's the, that's what makes it fun is like one game elimination is just really fun because anything can happen. And then you can have just like, Oh my God, the, the Pistons are making a run and like they're going to be the eight seed no matter what, just because like Sadiq Bay they making a run. They might in a single elimination tournament where the top teams don't care at all. Hello, Pasha Fasenko saying just hi to me. What up, Pasha? Yeah, why, um, why aren't you saying hi to, to both of us? Because he knows I'm down after uh, uh, losing that game. Um, I think it's it's interesting. I like that the NBA is trying new things. Um I think it would be it's like weird to kind of add more games. I think it would like I would rather the midseason tournament come out of and like reduce the number of games that the teams have right now. Um, But I like you said, it's all about making money. So I wouldn't be shocked. It's like, no, you're going to play 82 games and then also have a midseason tournament. My guess would be that they'd substitute out some games for the midseason tournament. Um, And then it would be a way to get back some of that money and do it in a way that to package it in a way that fans might care even more than they would about, you know, the five regular season games or whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got distracted by that comment on the screen. Uh, we will I mean, repeat that comment. The play in tournament. Well, I was initially skeptical of, but it turned out to be really cool. Like I watched, like enjoy like watching all those single, single elimination basketball games at the end of the year. And I think it made the competitive structure uh, more interesting just because get more teams going for the um, final playoff spots. And there was like a lot of more intrigue, at least with the Celtics perspectives, like you really didn't want to be in that playing tournament. They ended up winning their game, but like being in the seventh seed was not great. And so as long as like the new change in midseason tournament, like affects, I think like competitive balance or like the teams are actually wanting to win it. I think it'll end up being cool. Um, but other than that, um, I don't know. I'm a little bit skeptical, but everyone's always resistant to change. Wow. That was a very nice comment. Someone said that uh, we were his childhood, which makes me feel old, and we helped a lot more than we can realize, and uh, we have no idea who he is. That is true, Um, but thank you for that comment. Um, Reach out to us off the podcast, man. I I would love to chat, or woman, whoever you are. Although you you were... uh, we won't talk about what yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm guessing you're a dude. We're moving on to um, de facto segment producer uh, 
Eddie Truth Faustino. He's got a number of questions like he always does. Did you see Dennis Schroeder is letting fans pick his number? Yes. With yes. like on some sort of weird web. Does he have like his own website or his own like Bitcoin? What is what is going on with Dennis Schroeder? So he has a f- tokenized fan community. Um, so basically you can buy a Schroeder <laughs> token, I guess. And, uh, uh, because Dre, Jay, Jay explains Bitcoin and NFTs is uh, wonderful. Yeah, so so, I mean, I don't I don't know the exact details of his token, um, but basically, you can buy a piece of his fan club, I would guess. And part of this is you get to choose his number. <laughs> the the part that I found most interesting was not just that Dennis Schroeder is letting fans pick his number, but that one of the numbers he chose, thirty eight, was already taken by Sam Hauser, and that Dennis Schroeder who like is an actual NBA player, not just a two-way contract guy and has been in the NBA for a long time. Wasn't just like, sorry, Sam, like that's going to be my number. He's yeah, no, he said he, he took it off the board. He's like the Hauser's already got that one. Yeah. Uh, so I, I appreciated that out of, out of Dennis Schroeder. You know, he didn't come in and just slap Sam Hauser around for his number, even though Hauser like never had that in a regular season setting. It, he just, just agreed to a two-way deal. So salute to Dennis for not strong-arming Sam Hauser. The other good thing about it is that other than the number eight, he picked only numbers that had never been used by a Celtics before. Some, like, real football and, like, hockey numbers, like 87. Uh, I think there's, like, a 65 in there. Just some real bizarre ones that you're just not used to seeing on a basketball court. That's where one, I think, was one of them. Yeah, if I had my Dennis Schroeder coin, which I have yet to purchase, um, but that's where my vote would go for one of those wacky numbers. Um, I always love the – I'm wearing the, uh, a Jay Crowder 99 right now. I like the, the high double digits. Um, but no one goes – no one really goes – people go 99, but no one really goes like – and I've seen occasional 90 – what the big dog? Dennis Rodman was ninety-one, right? Yeah. What about Amir Johnson? Did he have a big number? Or am I misremembering? I feel like he was like ninety-one no, or eighty-one. Maybe I'm just misremembering I think you're that. Very wrong. Yeah. Well, I might be very wrong. I'm just um, might be very right. Misremembering the big dog, but anything I'm, like seventy-six. His, he was ninety. He was ninety. See, you were right. So like, I need I need an odd number or a number in the seventies, and I think that'll be perfect for uh, Schroeder. So. Uh, if you guys have the uh, the currency, go uh, go spend it uh, on uh, voting for a cool number for Dennis Schroeder. Um, the next question is from Danny R at Piggy Panda one two three. Will Ime Udoka be able to rest Jalen and Jason at the same time? If so, for how long? And I think this is kind of an interesting question, especially because we've seen the Celtics really bad. Be really bad uh, when Tatum's not on the court, uh, at least the kind of last season. So can they kind of go with stretches where both he and Jalen are not on the court uh, next year? I think they'll be able to potentially have that option. Uh, So I am literally in the process of writing a projected rotation. And one of my questions for myself was, should they stagger Tatum and Brown? I think the obvious answer is yes, they should, just because, you know, we've seen Tatum be able to carry lineups before. I think they'll have a much better chance of succeeding with a lineup if Jalen's on the court, uh, if Tatum is is sitting. 
But I also think, you know, with, with Schroeder, with Cantor, with Josh Richardson, there's a chance all those guys come off the bench. Um, and then you have Neesmith, you have Pritchard. Like, I, I think there's a chance that their bench is pretty good, pretty talented. And with Schroeder and Cantor, those are two guys who can score and kind of keep your second unit afloat from a scoring perspective. So I don't think they'll necessarily need to do it, but I do think it'll probably look a, a lot crisper when one of the, at least one of those guys is on the court. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful design objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Yeah, I mean, I think the question's more just about Tatum. Like, I don't know. Jalen doesn't have, like, when it's just Jalen and the bench, those lineups, I don't know for a fact, but I haven't uh, checked the statistics. But my general gut says, like, those lineups haven't been great, especially on offense, when it's just, like, on Jalen to create. Um, and so it's really, like, the difference has been, like, Jason Tatum on court, Jason Tatum off court. I do think they have a much better bench and like NBA ready guys. Like last year when Tatum was off the court and especially when Kemba was hurt, you just had a lot of Jeff Teague minutes. You had a lot of Peyton Pritchard minutes. You had a lot of, I don't know, just Grant Williams minutes, just a lot of guys with not a lot of experience and especially not a lot of offensive creation. I think now the bench, like they I would started be, like Carson Edwards sometime. They're, yeah, they, some, they did some weird stuff last year. Right now, I just in what I'm thinking is like, and I don't know how you did this for your kind of rotation projection, but I wouldn't be surprised if like Jason Tatum is like the first sub out or something like that at like the eight or the four minute mark of the first quarter. You bring in Dennis Schroeder to kind of like be the offense, and then you bring Tatum back at the start of the second quarter, like something like that, where you have a kind of a guy who's been able to get buckets in Schroeder uh, on the court um, for those moments when Tatum's not there. And then, as you mentioned, if they do start Al Horford or if they bring Al Horford off the bench, you have him, Richardson, and Cantor are all just like established NBA players, which I think is just going to do so much more where you're no longer relying on, I don't know, Shemi Ojale to kind of like knock down threes in the corner. And so uh, it could happen, uh, but I, I – Obviously, I still think the team's on-off numbers are going to be better when Jason Tatum's on the court, but I think they're uh, probably going to survive. there. That's what I'm here for. Um, the next question is from a lot of Mets. Um, he says, Romeo, I'm not going to say that nickname for him, Romeo Langford, will he average double-digit points this year? What <laughs> nickname is going on in this question? Uh, will he average more points this year? No, double-digit points. More points would be a reasonable question. Double-digit points is a crazy question. 
Yeah, I don't think he's going to be a double-digit guy this year. He has averaged, I believe it's like 7.1 points per 36 minutes for his career. There's no way he's going to play 36 minutes. There's pretty good chance he doesn't even play like 15. Will he average double-digit minutes this year is the question. Double-digit minutes? Probably not. I would be kind of surprised. Maybe maybe he will play double-digit minutes in the games that he plays. Yeah, he only plays like 40 games, but in, in that he averages 12 minutes per game. Yeah, I just think there's a lot of competition for those minutes. Um, you look – I mean, this, the Celtics have five perimeter guys who averaged at least 30 minutes per game last season in Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Josh Richardson, and Dennis Schroeder, and they were all on playoff teams. So I just don't think there's going to be a lot of minutes for backup wings. I think Neesmith – Based on how he finished last season, I have more faith that he'll be ready to contribute than Langford and just the fact that he can shoot and the Celtics will probably need shooting in some of their lineups. Uh, and then you've got like Aaron and Gomez, you've got Grant Williams, you've got Jabari Parker also competing for minutes at the four slot. So I just don't see Romeo Langford playing a big role unless he makes – Big, big, a huge leap. Unless he like another ping pong paddle summer where he just absolutely fixes his shot and is a knockdown shooter or like figures out how to drive the basket. I think there's no way he averages double digit points. I think out of people on the bench, I say, I think Schroeder can obviously has that potential. Cantor may have that potential, but just because in the games that he does play, he does it like he can get that, but I don't think he's going to play a lot. Do you think Pritchard or Neesmith has the ability uh, to kind of average double digits? What did Pritchard average last year? Like seven? So he could go up. Yeah, but Pritchard's role is it's very That's interesting. one thing I'm very curious about because I'm just not convinced that he can play next to Dennis Schroeder and that that combo makes sense. And then if you're He got up- 19 minutes a game last year and played in 66 games. So he was like a pretty much a constant for the Celtics lineup and he only averaged seven points. I could see his minutes per game going down. And so unless he just is like a sharpshooter and just jacking like four, three, five threes a game, then I don't really see that yeah, coming from Peyton. I don't think there's a real path for him averaging 10. Um, Josh Richardson, if he comes off the bench, maybe. 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 I think Al Horford, if he comes off the bench, can definitely uh, do it. Yeah. But it's uh, we it's yet to be seen what's going to happen there. All right, the final two questions. These are also from uh, Eddie I'm going to pivot them a little bit. It's like, how often does preseason factor into lineup decisions or is training time more important? I think that's a tough way, a question to ask. When I'm asking you, Jay, you've been covering the team for a long time. You've been through many training camps and many preseasons. What does it mean? Like, what's the most memorable thing that's come out of a training camp or a preseason that you actually think like had an impact on the, the rest of the season? This is probably going to be sad for listeners to hear. Uh, The one thing that stands out the most to me is how good the Celtics looked when Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving were in their first year together. Like they, they, those preseason games were limited minutes in the preseason, but you could tell instantly how good that team could have been. Um, And with, with Horford, with, Hayward with Kyrie with Tatum and Brown even though like not a lot was known about those guys at that time Tatum was a rookie Brown had not played too many minutes during his rookie season 
it just kind of jumped out like, oh, wow. Like those guys look like they play very well together and kind of make a lot of sense together. Um, and so obviously that's just like a what if at this point. And it never was at this. Well, we point. don't even know because it didn't end up actually having a big impact on the season. And so, like, I can't think of, like, I can think of the, also the picture from that season of the five guys standing there and everyone being like, "Who can stop them?" That looking pretty dumb at the end of that uh, run. But I can't remember things that happened in training camp or things that happened in a preseason that had a huge impact on. Uh, what was happening or what happened in the rest of the, of the regular season. So we're going to obviously look into everything uh, and over debate everything. But ultimately, I just don't think it is going to have that much of an impact. I feel like early season games are going to much, do much more to determine rotation than like the first preseason games. Especially on a team like this Celtics team, where I feel like most of the guys who are going to play big minutes are pretty obvious. Um, and then there will be like a couple slots for – a Neesmith, a Pritchard, a whoever to kind of step up and, and emerge. Uh, but I, I do think like there are a lot of veteran players who have done a lot of things in the NBA on this team. And so there's not necessarily like a ton to figure out about who's going to play. Now, who's going to play with each other? I think there's a lot to figure out for Ime Odoka because there are a lot of different options and, and ways that he can kind of shape this Celtics team. But I don't know. Preseason's never, never too much. Except, I was pretty convinced that the Celtics would <laughs> be very, very good. That they, they, those games were pretty electric. All right. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The time has come to reckon with what has happened. Um, we played one-on-one this weekend. Jay beat me. Um, you know what? But, like, obviously we can't trust either of ourselves as reliable narrators because Jay um, is going to just be filled with braggadocio. And, um, no, I, I actually would not because that was <laughs> fucking horrendous. Well, we did have someone there uh, – videoing it if you want to look at the clips of our dreadful performance you can check it out on our twitter page at potable but our new intern jeff uh was there to video and he's going to be the independent arbiter of fact 
to discuss <laughs> what happened there in a one-on-one matchup. So, Jeff, welcome to the podcast, and just give us your first initial takes to the to the basketball that you witnessed on Saturday or on Sunday. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. I think I mean I think you guys both play well. Um, I oh, think that's so false. <laughs> if you're going to be an intern for us, you got to be brutally honest, and that is not a brutally honest, Jeff. Well, I you guess guys both played well. Go oh, fuck yourself. <laughs> I mean, I do think I do think there was some good energy and some good effort going on. In the that's not day. true. Either. No, I, no I think at least, at least at the beginning, I think I think you guys were into it, and I think it was competitive. Um, I mean, obviously by the end, it was mostly just Jay uh, back and jam down into the post. Um, but I thought Jam Jam put up a good fight. Um, he was hus- hustling for rebounds. He was hit some no. shots. That's a lie. So my biggest <laughs> takeaway, my biggest takeaway. And I, I will say the intern is, is gassing us up, though. Uh, yeah, no, it was um, my biggest, like, sat, Sunday night, I was just, like, sitting on my couch. I was just, like, sad. And I just, like, couldn't figure out why. And it's because I put up such lackluster effort and let Jay take basically open jump shots. He eventually would have beaten me nonetheless because he eventually figured out that I had uh, he has like 45 pounds on me and could take me in the post no matter what. But I should not have given him the many uh, open twos he had. And I went back and watched the clips and the amount of times I was just like, I missed a shot and then was demoralized and didn't um, go and contest Jay's shot. It was mental weakness upon my part. It was a failure of character upon my, on me. And Did you get in bad shape recently? I feel like... <laughs> You should have been in better shape than than you were. Okay, I don't have I don't have the short burst. I we played two games. I could have played three or four more games. I have the the endurance. It's that like that immediate burst of athleticism, uh, which is where I was lacking. Um, but yeah, I probably should be in better shape for someone who plays pickup like two or three times a week. But I uh, I'm but not. Even when you were like trying. To, like you were giving me a lot of space. Were you worried that I was going to go by you? Because I can't go by a fucking stationary wall at this point. It's just generally my defensive strategy. I don't know. I feel like with the by, I didn't, I would wanted you to shoot a contested shot rather than you like try to drive by me. We saw what happened when you drove. You were a large individual and I had no, no answer for that. That was the other thing is when you did back me down, you would just like back me down, like, hit my chest four times. And then I would be so tired from that, that I wouldn't even contest it. Your little baby jump hooks. So um, it was just disappointing. Um, I don't know how to spin. If I learned, if I knew how to drive with my left hand, like that would be a game, a major game changer. The thing that was crafty about Jay is that anytime I got a, a smidgen of a space, he hit me with a little bit of a hip check at that. Like I would be a giant, giant um i was gonna say uh anatomy for a a woman but i'm not gonna say that we're a good podcast to call a foul there like you can't call a foul on that that little hip bump but given my lack of skills that hip bump just rendered me useless when i was driving left and if i think back on it i did not attempt one drive to the right the entire game i think i mean it seemed like there was it felt like for a little while maybe in the second game that jam was gonna pull it out like i think did it i don't know no not in the second game was it the there no, was, was never in, a moment there was never no, a no, moment there was a, there was a moment where he was winning he was up five three yeah, at one here here's it no he was up the first game he was up he was up in both games i was up in both games but here's the thing i always knew i could get to the post game if i needed to and I was just waiting for it because I knew that if I tried to do that too often, I would just tire myself out and it would be like 
I was basically rope doping. Maybe if we had more, I knew I could get to that. If I knew, I told my brothers the night before, I was like, "Look, I'm very out of shape, but if I need to, I'll just go in the post." I needed, I needed to hustle way more and just like, but I thought I was going to be able to like just like drive past you, but then anytime I tried to drive past you, I got the bump from the body, and I just was rendered completely useless. And so, I think it was a mental game. Like you, you, I was up, and I never thought I was going to win because. I just have no confidence in my shot. Whereas Jay, if you gave him even a little bit of daylight, he was taking a step back three. And so like, I was fine with all of your step back threes. It was the ones that were uncontested completely that were the lazy ones that made me feel bad about the performance. I think maybe if there was more fans there to support Jam, then maybe he would have won a game. I, if we kept playing, I think eventually maybe by game five, uh, you are just on the f- floor, Jay, and I, then I can win. Uh, but shout out to the two fans of the pod who did show up. I'm terrible with names, and I completely forgot uh, both of their names, but um, they're great listeners. Yeah, I was impressed. I was, that, was, that was cool of them to show up. That was fun. That, that, was, that was a cool moment. For me, like the <laughs> fact that someone would want to come watch me play like a totally washed up, fat ass version of a one on one basketball game. That's that was cool for me. The funny thing is that from the footage that Jeff posted on the Twitter account, like that's a what 10% of what we actually did. There were so many more misses and so many more uh, ugly possessions that thank, we didn't thank include. Thank God he didn't post that one three-minute stretch. Of us. <laughs> was, I could have posted so many more clips of just like you guys going back and forth and just misses after misses after misses. I had to cut out a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot to cut out. Let's be honest. Yeah. We have a question from SEA Productions. Uh, who are the NBA player equivalents of Jam and Jay? So uh, I'm gonna say if if oh yeah Jeff let let's let's hear what Jeff says. Um, I mean for Jay, I I'm that's a tough one. I'm not even sure. Who, I'm not even sure who to say. Um, I don't know. Are there what are any fat post up point guards? <laughs> <laughs> um, Raymond Felton. Raymond Felton. I was just about to say Raymond Felton. <laughs> I saw someone in the comments call you call like Raymond Felton. 90s Mark Jackson was just like <laughs> backing dudes down in the post. I can see that. For me, I think I'm like a like a, a Draymond Green type in that I have no <laughs> no offensive no individual offensive skills whatsoever. Does Draymond just sit there while he's while a passer? If you get me in a nice five on five, a three on three, then my game shines. I'm not. But, I but don't Draymond know what I'm Would have never let me sit there and shoot wide open shots. Draymond would have never let me just yeah. bully yeah, his ass. No one in the track. NBA would have. Like this is an NBA comparison. You're more like a Vincent Poirier type. <laughs> I did look. I was the best dressed player on the game. I did have a fit, like correct red shoes, red red shorts, red claws. Um, but yes. yeah, no. It, uh, I'll take the Vinny Sex Pants comparison because uh, we had equally productive uh, games in that. Um, but you know, I, I would. I think we just got to come back and do this every every like uh, three months and just see if I can eventually uh, topple you, uh, take you down. I'm clearly not going to get to uh, ten thousand followers anytime soon. Oh, Jeff, that's your new. Um, what's your new assignment? Is you your job is to get me to ten thousand followers before the end of the season? What are you at right now? Nine thousand four hundred and thirty. Oh, so you only need about like 600? I think we can do it. All right. That's why, that's why we have an intern coming on board. You know, I'm going to law school now. I can't do shameless self-promotion, so we're going to bring in Jeff. 
Um, you see, I wore the Tennessee hat just for Jeff. Oh, wow. Look at that. Go balls, baby. Where'd you get yeah. a Tennessee hat from? Tennessee, I was, baby. I was in South Carolina, and there was like a uh, college apparel store. Oh, And cool. I liked the hat. So I bought the hat, and then, I, no lie, like 30 minutes later, I was going out to eat, and some guy started screaming, Go Vols! Whatever I, I wear. What is he talking about? Like, why is this person <laughs> screaming? I mean, and then I realized, oh, I'm I'm wearing a Tennessee hat. Yeah. I just like the white hat. With whenever the, I whenever I wear Tennessee gear, someone says something. It's kind of amazing, actually. Even when I'm in like the middle of Boston, someone says something. Um, yeah, some some yeah. fierce the power. Fans. The power of Rocky Top. I've been yeah, to, Josh, to Josh Richardson and Grant Williams, and um, Admiral Tobias Schofield Harris and Admiral Schofield. Yeah, Grant Williams, the uh, Players Union Vice President, is um, not going to get many playing minutes this year. All right, Jeff, do you have any did other Alan Houston go to Tennessee? To who? Allen Houston? He did, and so did Bernard King. Ooh, knows his history. I like that intern, Jeff. Do you have any <laughs> other observations from – oh, we got to talk about the spatula. Oh, the spatula. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a cool prize. I, I, hope, I hope they put that to use. I gave one of our fans a Celtics, like, grill, spatula, metal, wooden handle – an incredible piece of equipment. It's been in my house for the past like four years. And um, the kid, I'm sorry, I forget his name, but he just, he didn't, he turned it down. He didn't Why want Why would spatula. you want that spatula? Honestly. He was going to have to carry it around. I, I understand. I understood his point on that one, I think. It's a valid point. I was literally just trying to get rid of the spatula because I no longer wanted it in my house. But um, if you showed up, you could have gotten the spatula too. Um, you could have got a picture with a sweaty and out of shape Jay King and a sweaty and out of shape Jam Packard. A classic battle of a has been and a never was. It was just a pretty uh, epic journey. If you guys want to watch it again, you can go uh, to the Potable Twitter account. That's at Potable and look at all the clips where uh, you can see just some ugly basketball. <laughs> Jeff, uh, thank you for coming out and filming it and for uploading all those clips and for uh, joining the squad. Jay, any, anything else from you before we sign off? I just want to say that that was just a one-sided affair. I, I know the score <laughs> didn't quite show it, 15-11, 15-9. You'd think they were pretty close games. I just want to let everyone know, like, there was never a single doubt. I was always in full, full control of that game. I was always going to score at any time I wanted when it was crunch time. And I was always going to get whatever stop I wanted when I had to dig deep. So <laughs> there, that's that's just all I want to leave for the fans. I, I, I know it looked bad. I know it looked ugly. I know Jeff could tell you we had long stretches of, of doing absolutely nothing. But I just want the people to know that deep inside me, there was a place that that I could go that I knew Jam couldn't get to. I mean, I didn't want to go here, but at least, like, I didn't have the bad visual of finding out I'm so fat when I uh, saw the video. It was tough for me. It was tough. I was like, oh, damn. Like, like I, I, I've got a gut like that? I, I didn't. I didn't realize how big the gut was. Until yeah. Neither did I. I, I showed my Jay. I showed my dad the clips, and he was like, "Wow, Jay looks like he's getting a little out of shape." And I was like, <laughs> I was yeah, like, your wow. father." 
<laughs> See, <laughs> like, now the real my, truth comes out. My Jeff, dad, my Jeff, dad was Jeff like, comes in and he's all nice. And then at the end of it, he's like, yeah, well, my dad thinks you're a my, fucking fat my, ass. My dad, Put down the donuts, Jay. <laughs> my dad listens to the podcast sometimes, too, so he knows who you guys are. And I, I mentioned it to him. And he was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was not prepared for the gut either. It was very difficult to, uh, to play against. But um, I guess my question for you guys is um, – is is shame potable? Sure. Everything is potable. That was.